0: Good morning. This morning's scripture reading is from John 9, verses 35 to 39. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? the man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who, will, who see will become blind. This is the word of the Lord. How many of you, um, if you got a summons to appear in court to be before a judge, uh, and you weren't sure what it was about, would think to yourself, that's gonna be a fun day. How many of you have ever been in a court, uh, maybe just as a, a witness, just a, a, an observer of what was going on, and you looked at the people that were all around and you thought, they look like they're having their best day ever? When we first arrived here, one of the things that I was able to do, I was able to go with our oldest daughter, Madison, and we went on a field trip and we went to the magistrate's court to kind of watch things that were going on so that we could get an idea of what was happening. Now, there was, it was really interesting for me, as someone who was outside of this country, coming into this country, to kind of watch how that happened and took place, because it's far different than the judicial system in the states. Um, there's a lot more grace and leniency that is provided, not in a bad way, in a very good way, to a magistrate to make a decision about what needs to happen in any particular case. Whereas where I'm from, my passport country, um, most things are fairly prescriptive of what needs to happen for a judge when it comes to a ruling uh, or a sentence that needs to be meted out to the people that were guilty. So even though in the midst of that setting, there was this tendency for the magistrate to find the best in that person that was before them, to really kind of think through what was going on, not just in that particular instance, but what was happening in their entire life, it didn't look like any of them were any too thrilled to be standing in that place. And so when we come to this passage and we come to a place where we begin to think of Jesus being more than a judge, we need to enter into it with honesty and think to ourselves, I don't like judges. (laughs) I I don't like to be judged. I don't want someone to look at my life and my heart and tell me that there might be something that's not quite right. And let me be the first to admit that I'm one of those. I'm one of those who wants to not be judged. However, I do like to judge. Can you pray for me as we enter into this? Father, open our hearts, open our ears, open our minds. Let us hear the good judgment that you bring, that you are more than just a judge for us, Jesus, but that you are the ultimate judge who brings freedom and release in your judgment. Father, let us hear from you today. God, speak to us mightily. Holy Spirit, testify to us. Speak to our hearts who we are truly in Jesus. It is in your holy, precious name we pray. Amen. So this particular passage where we see Jesus say this, for judgment I came into the world. right? For judgment I came into the world. It actually sits in this beautiful narrative story about this man who was blind. And it's all of chapter 9. So if you have a device or you have a Bible, go ahead and open that up where you're at, John chapter 9. And we see the story that goes on that gets us to this place. There's a man who is blind, and Jesus is walking past him. And this particular man was blind since birth. And the people that are walking past ask Jesus, Hey, Jesus, Rabbi, they say, who sinned? this man or his parents, that he was born blind. Now we're going to come back to what Jesus says here in a minute. But what he ends up doing is he ends up spitting on the ground, getting some mud and putting it on to the eyes of this blind man. And he sends him out and says, go wash in the pool. And and that's where he goes. And he washes and he realizes then that he can see that he has been Healed. And the neighbors come around and they're looking at him and they're not quite sure if he's the man or not. There are those who are like, that's definitely the guy, for sure that's the guy, and others are like, it's a look-alike, it's not him. Right? And so they're wondering what's going on and what's happening. And then the Pharisees come up to him. This is in chapter 9, verse 18. And he's brought before the Pharisees. Now it happened to be the Sabbath day that Jesus did that. Number one, bad tick. Not good job there, Jesus. Should have known better. And the Pharisees asked him how he had received his sight. And he says to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. And so some of the Pharisees says, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such things? And there was a division among them. And so they said again to the blind man, What, did, what do you say about him, since he has opened your eyes? And the man said, He is a prophet. Now the Jews did not believe that he had been blind. See, they just decided that must have been, he'd been faking his whole life. And he'd received his sight until they called his parents of the man. And they said to them, was your son born blind? And they said, as far as we know, yes, for sure. He was born blind. As long as we have known him, he's been blind. But now he sees. And they say, well, how did that happen? And they go, I don't know. He's a grown man. Go ask him. Right? They want to get rid of it. Then they call him a second time and they say, give God the glory, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner, speaking of Jesus. And he answered, well, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know, but this I know. I was blind and now I see. And they said to him, well, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I've told you already and and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? do you want to be his followers, his disciples? And they reviled him and said, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why? This is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from. And yet he opened my eyes. He begins to teach them, we know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. That's a little bit of bad theology there. We'll get into that. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. It's given to hyperbole maybe. If there, if this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered him, you were born in utter sin and you would teach us and they cast him out. Then Jesus heard about this. And he called him over. And he asked him this. Do you still see? Nope. He says, do you believe in the son of man? By saying that, he's saying, do you believe in the Son of Man that Daniel refers to as the Messiah? Do you believe that the Messiah has come? Do you believe that a Messiah is coming to bring freedom? Do you believe that God's going to come down and release us as captives to freedom? And he says, yes, I do. Show me who he is so I can believe. And Jesus says, it's me. It's me. And the man says, I believe. And that's when Jesus says, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. See, it's not that Jesus comes in and he's saying, look, I've come to judge. My wife and I, this is a humble brag, my wife and I have been uh, uh, walking early in the morning recently. Probably not as much as I need to, but I'm getting there. And as we're walking, we go to South Beach, and we walk along South Beach down to the power station, and we come back. Now, we've been doing that for a little while, and recently, over the last couple of weeks, uh, there's been a change in the pattern of our walk because we would usually walk down all the way to the power station on the path. We would walk back, then we would kind of go finally onto the beach and then walk the rest of the beach. But they need to repair the beach. And so they've begun to put fencing up and there's big uh, trucks and, and bulldozers that are bringing sand in and they're repairing the beach. But as those fences were going up, there were signs that said, this beach is closed, do not walk on this beach. That's a Lee Hinkle paraphrase, but basically it's like, keep out. But what we've noticed as we've been walking is that there are many people who are still on the beach walking. See, they'll walk up to the fence and they'll scoot it open and they'll walk through and they'll turn around and close the fence so that no one else can be there. And then they'll go down and they'll get on to the beach and they'll walk. They clearly think the law, the rule, doesn't apply to them. That Of course, that means for everybody else who might fall into danger. But for me, I'm smart enough, good enough, agile enough to avoid any of the trucks, the big mounds of sand, and and I, I, I can handle this. I appreciate that they want to take care of me and they're concerned for my safety, but they don't know me. What we see happening here for these Pharisees who encounter this blind man is it doesn't fit into the system of identity that they have built. See, they look at the law of Moses and they recognize for themselves that this works for me in this way. And they build their whole life around what it is to be who they are. And then they make the assumption or the judgment that everyone else should follow into that. That you have to be like me in order to be good. Or you have to be like me in order to be accepted. Or you have to be like me in order to do it right. And so they look at the man and they say, this can't happen. You were blind from the beginning. Oh, you weren't blind at all. Oh, you're not a sinner. Oh, yes, you are a sinner. They go back and forth because it just doesn't fit in. But what they've done is they've made a judgment. They've said, this is our judgment over you that you're unworthy to be in the worshiping gathering, and they kick him out because it doesn't fit their prescribed understanding of what needs to happen. Many of us are that way. And we live in such a way as those who move into the fence because we see it and we recognize it as good, but we think, not for me. However, it's good for everybody else. That's why we turn around and we shut the fence right? Because it's not good for me, but it's good for everybody else. But Jesus says, no, that's not the correct judgment. Here's what we recognize that happens. The first thing that we see is that Jesus is more than a judge because his judgment springs from him and he is the one who ultimately takes any punishment. We know that because he says, do you believe in the son of man? By saying, do you believe in the son of man? He's saying, I'm the one that's going to take all punishment. I'm the one that's going to take all unrighteousness. I'm the one that's going to take everything that can be held against you. I'm going to put it on myself and I am going to release you from it. That's why it's important that he asked him, do you believe in the son of man? Because if we just come to this and hear about judgment, then we can honestly look at our lives and say, I should be judged. We can look at our lives and say, there are places and moments in my life where I've ultimately been selfish and cared only for the outcome for me. Even if it means that I obey some of the laws, but not all of the laws. But I expect everybody else to obey all of the laws so that they can be just a little bit more righteous than me, but I will appear to be more righteous than them. <laughs> because I'm making sure they're keeping the laws. It's one of those things that we recognize that Jesus comes in and says, first of all, I'm more than a judge because I've taken it all. The other thing that we recognize between these two judgments is this, that the judgment of Jesus brings freedom. But the judgment of man brings bondage. Here's Jesus freeing this man from blindness. And then he gives him life overflowing when he says, yes, you are free indeed. Yes, I have released you from blindness, but you also believe that means you have me and I have you. He is utterly free from any constraints that would be put upon him by anybody else. It doesn't matter now that he's been kicked out of the synagogue. Why? Because he is the one who has, he has met the one who is the synagogue, The one who is God incarnate. So it doesn't matter that I'm kicked out anymore because I'm ultimately free. I'm gathered with Christ alone. But yet for them who are before, who have this judgment, it brings bondage. You have to follow the rules. You have to follow them this way. You have to do it in the way that we prescribe it and the way that we see it. And don't kid yourself. Don't kid yourself. We might think to ourselves, but I'm open. (laughs) I I, I, I allow anyone. I'm free. I, 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 I would never judge. How quickly we do. We think to ourselves that that God must be, uh, as this judge, must be uh, so closed-minded. And it's because we've done the honor of making him in our image. We, we, We thought to ourselves, I think I've got this figured out, God. I think I've got it figured out how you should do this. And so I want you to do it the way that I want you to do it. And it trickles down. It's so insidious. It trickles down into our lives, into every relationship that we have, into even the very smallest things that we do, that you're not quite pouring that milk the right way. You're not quite cleaning the dishes the right way. You're not quite driving the right way. But the beauty for us is this, is that Jesus comes and he says, that's right, because you're blind. (laughs) And I came for judgment. What kind of judgment? So that the blind will see. I came for judgment so that the blind will see, so that they will recognize that there are things that they don't know and they don't understand and that there's a way that is higher than theirs. And I come and I bring judgment so that the blind will open their eyes and see the glorious love of the Father who steadfastly pursues them to bring them into whole relationship. But I've also come so that those who think they see will be blind. Why do we need to be made blind, Jesus? Because we need to recognize what our standing really is. See, the Pharisees would say that they could see most clearly of all, that above everybody else out there, they could see most clearly of all. But Jesus says, no, no, you need to be known that you're blind, that you don't see in the way that I walk. You don't understand the path of my love. And so I need to judge so that you will be made blind so that I can then help you see. When we get in trouble and all of us has gotten in trouble, one of the things that we want to do is we want to put up a wall of shame. We want to cover ourselves. Because we believe that it separates us from everybody else. And so this internal judgment and what we feel like is this external judgment causes us to burrow down and and think we can't belong anywhere. But Jesus here says this, With my judgment, I bring freedom. And with that freedom, I bring forgiveness. I walk in this way in showing that you were blind. I now give you sight so that you can see my glorious love. And in seeing my glorious love, you know who you are in me. But sometimes, first, we have to see who we think we really are. We have to see the brokenness of our own hearts. We have to be torn down and deconstructed so that we can receive God's grace and mercy. Because unless we know we need it, we won't reach out for it. And he calls us to reach out for it in him. You see, Jesus is more than a judge because he takes it on as the son of man. He's more than a judge because his judgment doesn't bring penalty, it brings relief. And this is not the ultimate judgment. The ultimate judgment comes when Christ comes to bring his bride home. And we read in Revelation this. In Revelation 21, this is what this judge says. Behold, I am making all things new. Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from a spring of water of life without payment. To the one who conquers, will have this heritage. And I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, faithless, and detestable, and the murderers, and the sexual, immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be the lake that burns. Then he says this, Come, I will show you your bride and the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to the great high mountain and showed me the holy city of jerusalem coming down of the heavens from god having the glory of god in its radiance like the most rare jewels like jasper clear and crystal it was high great high wall with 12 gates and the gates of 12 angels and on the gates the names of the 12 tribes and on the east three gates and the north three gates and the south three gates and on the west three gates And he says, I saw no temple in the city, for the temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city had no need of the sun and the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gave it light, and the lamp is the Lamb. And by that light will the nations walk, and the kings of earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there, and they will bring into the glory and honor of the nations. Look, the ultimate judge brings about an entrance into his city. Those Jewish men who brought that blind man before him twice and brought his parents wanted to say, we know the synagogue. We know the temple. We know where holiness is. And Jesus said, no. You don't, because in me and in me alone rests the holiness of God. But as he is more than a judge, he not only then judges us so that we can see our need for him, he makes the path for us to join him by dying for us. Let me pray for us. Father, you are good, and all you do is good. Holy and mighty is your name. Let us rest in You. Let us rest in You. It's in Your name we pray. Amen. Before we sing. And in this prayer group... um, there were a group of people that loved one another and they spent time praying with one another. And one of them invited somebody else outside of the group, a family that they admit to come and and pray in that group. And and so that family came and showed up, uh, but the husband um, had been drinking before he got there and he was actually quite drunk. And so he showed up into this prayer group and they're all praying. And he decided that he wanted to pray as well. And Scott Saul says that it was one of the most interesting prayers I'd ever heard. But he prayed for about 10 minutes. And at the end of it, he noticed that every eye looked at him to see what he would do. And he said, But by the mercy of God, there was the lady that hosted it, walked over to the man and said, Hey, would you like a cookie? I made cookies. And the man said, Yes, I'd love a cookie. And so she brought him a cookie, and he sat there with that man, and he talked to her about Klingons and all sorts of other things while the rest of the group gathered around the wife, who clearly looked like she had been through the ringer, clearly looked like she had been battle worn and sat down with her and said, how, how can we walk with you? How can we love you and love your husband in this moment? What does that look like for you? And he says it started this journey for them that consisted of them coming back, of being walked with, of going away for a month to Arizona in rehab, of coming back, of flights back and forth paid for for them, of being able to walk alongside this family with these children to where he was released from his alcoholism, where he became an elder in the church, where he was probably the most compassionate person that they had met in the church. In our lives, knowing that the judge loves us the way that he loves us, we should run towards that love in our judgment. That there is no one that we should ever assume is outside of the grace of God that can't be reached and moved by his good calling to them. And when he calls, they cannot resist they will move in a way towards his love for them. We do not close our doors. We do not close our groups. We do not say that freaky person's not allowed because I'm the freakiest of all. And so are you. How beautiful it is for the judge to become a freak like us. All right, I'm sorry. I just had to add that in. I felt like I was like here and I wanted to try and bring it down here. Maybe that worked, maybe it didn't. I'm gonna pray again. Uh, Father, you know me and you know that I need to have it pounded into my head and heart. So pound it into my head and heart. That I'm a terrible judge because I compare everybody to me. And I like to think I'm pretty good. Rock our world, Holy Spirit. Transform us and change us that we are known by your love and not for judgment. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, now let's stand and let's sing.